Welcome to the Club Soda Club. We're three friends, each with our own sobriety story. Sharing our personal experiences and what we've learned along the way about leading a new alcohol-free life. Welcome to the 13th meeting of the Club Soda Club. Uh, Scott, it's been a minute. Should yes. I do the whole roll call thing? Do we want to bother with it? Well, it's just, me and you. it's just me and you, yeah. pal, from here on out. It is. So an update on the podcast uh, for our loyal listeners. You may remember we had Jess as a co-host. Uh, Jess left the podcast to pursue uh, other hobbies or, you know, things she was more engaged with. Uh, I, I, I 100% watched Jess play Animal Crossing on uh, YouTube like five minutes ago. Anyways. Did you? On. I yeah. mean, and, and her uh, her YouTube channel's going well? Yeah, it was great. All right. I, I wish her all the success. I was going to say, I bet she regrets doing that now because now we all have nothing but free time for the foreseeable future. Oh, um, I think I think she's got it figured out. All right. I think she's good. Uh, and then we had uh, Kate of Philadelphia's The Sober Kates joining us for two uh, brief <laughs> shining episodes uh, as a co-host. And then uh, she went and started her own podcast with her best friend, also named Kate, of The Sober Kates. Um, you can check that out. It's called The After Party. It's available wherever podcasts are sold and or rented. Um and that's fantastic. And now, Scott, it's just you and I. It's just us, pal. And we talked about potentially doing a uh, podcast specifically looking at sobriety through the eyes of men, because that is what we both are. Um, Allegedly. And men kind of feel I feel like sobriety is like the one area on the entire planet where men are kind of underrepresented. Yeah, um, yeah it's super weird. Not necessarily. It. it is because I mean, we are it's underrepresented great. in sobriety itself. There's tons of sober dudes out there, but I think for them, it's more uh, most of the sober guys I meet do like the traditional AA 12 steps. Uh, you know, they're not big on like hopping on the Internet or a podcast and being like vulnerable about their feelings or talking about like why they drank or what drove them to sobriety. Um, so we were thinking about pivoting. Uh, to that and then uh, this whole uh, coronavirus thing drops and uh, you know we just figured we'd pick this back up where we left off uh, and kind of at least spend this episode talking about uh, the impact of this crazy fucking situation on our sobriety uh, and how we're we're kind of coping and adjusting to life right now so uh, Scott welcome back well, thanks, Derek. It's uh, it's great to talk to you again. Because <laughs> <laughs> we've literally not talked at all. In, yeah. Uh, we, so how many times have we tried to do this now over the last month and a half or something? And then like homeschooling happens or there's, oh. some, there's some homeschooling. Man, teachers need don't. to make so much money. They should get paid because homeschooling like, I don't. sucks. I hope that one byproduct of this is that nobody ever complains about like teachers or pro D days or like childcare workers yeah. ever again, because yeah. uh, trying to balance having a child and educating him and getting my work done during the day. And like, even like being responsible for his education, like him, uh, me and uh, my son's mom today were like exchanging texts 
and we were both stumped by a grade one math question. Like neither one of us could figure yeah, it out. And I'm just worst. like, how the fuck am I supposed to teach a child? Like in addition to everything else that's going on, yeah. uh, and and there's there's the work, there's the homeschooling, and then there's just the like trying to maintain my sanity and like take care of myself and not just let my life be like, well, now I don't have to go outside and interact with people anymore. Was that the only thing that kept me like showering and exercising, and, like, <laughs> giving a shit about myself? Um, you'll be happy to know that like I, I do regularly shower still. Okay, good. Um, I didn't want to press uh, the subject there. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you're, you're lucky that uh, you cannot uh, deliver podcasts in, in smell vision quite yet. <laughs> we'll get there. Uh, but yeah, that, uh, enough about me. Scott, how, is, how has your, uh, your quarantine experience been going? Uh, it's okay. It, it's okay, actually. Yeah, I, I work in an essential service, so I'm still up and out the door Monday to Friday, regular working person hours, and uh, um, even do the odd on-call shift still here and there, but it's a lot less than it was because obviously uh, nothing's as busy as it was uh, like a month and a half ago, so... Yeah, it's uh, it's it's been interesting. Um, I did have to quarantine for a couple of weeks because I was in uh, America. I was actually, uh, I don't know if we talked about my exact timing for the the global pandemic when it was announced. It was actually when I was on a plane backing away from the gate in Vancouver and uh, leaving for San Diego. And that was uh, as they shut it. Oh, San Diego. Yeah, as they said, oh, this is a global pandemic and you shouldn't be traveling. And my plane is like taxiing to take off. <laughs> it's uh, good time to get the news. Good time. Good time. Yeah. So went down to I San Diego. You were in, uh, and, yeah, Arizona. Went, yeah, I went over to Arizona. I was going to go visit my mom and dad and uh, ended up just seeing them for one night and then uh, flying home in a panic trying to beat the self-quarantine rules so I could keep working. But I didn't quite make it, so I had a two-week vacation-ish time off, which cool. sucked. But I'm not sick, so things could be worse. Yeah, they could definitely be worse. And that's something I keep trying to remind myself. Like, I have spent, what are we in now? Like, week six, seven of this? Um, yeah, something week like that. Six, yeah, six or seven, something like that, yeah. And I've like spent a lot of it just being like, oh, fuck, like I miss people. And, you know, because I'm very much an extrovert and I like I just draw my energy when I need to recharge my batteries at the end of like a shitty week or uh, a hard day. I turn to other people to do that. And it's usually like through in-person interaction. And now all of my interactions with other human beings take place uh, over, you know, Zoom, which is growing in uh, popularity or uh, FaceTime calls or phone calls, which like they're fine. I'm still connecting with people, but it yeah. doesn't do the same thing for me that like going and hanging out with my buds would do. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's been a struggle, but I've been like, yeah, for the past six weeks, I've just been like, fuck, I miss people. I'm sick of my shitty apartment. Like I'm, <laughs> I'm sick of being confined indoors. Uh, and it feels like late, like in the past week or so, maybe I've kind of turned the corner and just been like, well, this is going to be what life looks like for the foreseeable future. So uh, it's all about maybe starting to build those uh, those healthy habits and, and have some appreciation or gratitude for what I do have. Um, it's extra hard because 
Uh, I share custody of my son with my ex-girlfriend who we've talked about before. Um, and luckily, you know, she lives like two blocks away from me. Um, so we can still like get together and like hang out with him. Uh, but there's, we're one week on one week off right now. So for a week I have a kid here, uh, and I'm trying to like manage the the education side of things while working. And then one week I'm just like, I'm totally alone and there are no people anywhere around me. And there's not even like a six year old to have a conversation about Lego with. Um, so that's been, uh, a bit of a struggle, but, Listen, uh, man, you know, talk to you about Lego anytime you just, uh, you let me know. Perfect. We're going to, we'll shoot start a, a Lego podcast now. Lego support group. Let's, uh, let's do it. But yeah, um, you know, I think outside of that, like, how's, how's your family doing? They're doing okay. I think it's, uh, it's, it's harder on my wife for sure than it is for me. Cause she really can't go anywhere like the even if she wanted to like nothing's really open and uh it's just not safe to to do so i say that as she's actually not home right now she uh just got a notification that there's somebody surrendering a dog somewhere in langley so she's part of a animal rescue group so they're gonna take it in and she's got to take it to a foster home but uh other than that yeah she's been uh struggling off and on but you know i think she's realized that it's uh it it definitely could be worse. And, and as far as our daughter goes, she's 10. And I don't know if, if your son has discovered messenger kids yet, but it he is has, the funniest yeah. thing. Yeah. It's the funniest thing in the world, man, that these kids can all message each other. And it's, it's reasonably safe because you get a notification and it goes through your own Facebook account. So that's helped her stay in touch with her friends and, and they're doing homeschooling through, um, Microsoft Teams and uh, and uh, I think Zoom. So yeah, it's uh, it's different. Man, grade four fractions are hard. Who knew? But uh, yeah, it's it's been yeah, tough. I, it's been tough for everybody. You know, it has been. Um, and it's uh, it's really been. It's like this whole thing is like one big social experiment, right? Like just seeing how if you just like completely removed the institutions that kept people interacting with one another, um, how we would fare like mental health wise. Uh, and I think you know the general consensus is not well. <laughs> Um, no, I, no. Ha- I have to think that like coming out of this, um, I'm hoping we kind of see the pendulum swing the other direction and like people really double down on like their local community and like getting involved in like community groups and getting involved in, you know, parent advisory committee or whatever, you know, whatever the fuck your thing is uh, and whatever group you, you want to be a part of yeah. and make an impact um, that, that we see a lot more of that and a lot people having a lot more appreciation for that because, uh, it's like we all just have like uh, a gaping black void in our lives <laughs> where these community institutions once were. Uh, and it's yeah. uh, it's it's tough to find anything to replace that right now. Yeah, yeah, it, I yeah, I'm I'm generally someone who likes to be invited to places and then likes to come up with reasons why I can't go. Right. Um <laughs> So I feel good when people want me to come hang out with them. And then I'm like, oh, yeah, oh, man, sorry, I can't make it. And then I just stay home. And that's where I want to be. But I don't get to choose to stay home now. Like, it's, I don't get the option of being the one to be like, ah, I can't make it. 
<laughs> so, yeah. Kate, Kate uh, sent me a meme the other day. Me, but yeah. Kate sent me a meme the other day, and it was basically like, I can't wait to go back to social distancing on my terms rather than yes. uh, be, being told it's something I have to do. So that's exactly it. Like, I want to be alone with some the freedom to not be alone, but know that it's my choice to be alone as opposed yeah. to being told I can't <laughs> go anywhere. Sucks. Alone by choice, not by uh, not by law, not by not by pandemic. Yeah. So how are you like, have you struggled with uh, I mean, obviously you fucking strike everyone's struggling uh, right now in, in yeah. some way, shape or form. But like in terms of like your own your own mental health or your own mental well-being or like, um, you know, maybe missing oh, those, those interactions with other people. Uh, how how have you been coping with that? Uh, you know, I, I read a headline today and I didn't read any of the article because the headline got me like my head spinning. And they said that some researcher somewhere in Europe had maybe found a connection with nicotine being, uh, having some, uh, benefit to COVID-19 treatment. And I thought I am buying a carton of cigarettes right now and I'm going to smoke them all. And, uh, so that's how my mental health is. Yeah, I was going to say, are you using that as the barometer of your, uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I was like, the yeah, interesting thing about that study is that they the found, they found that in both, um, in China, France and Italy, where like smoking is Lots like very, smoke. very popular. Um, they found that smokers were almost like, uh, like crazily underrepresented in the number of severe COVID cases. And yeah, uh, which you I think, think would be would be backwards because it's a respiratory disease, but respiratory you know, maybe disease. their lungs have that beautiful coating of uh, tar that protects them from the virus. So who knows? <laughs> I think what it is is that they they found that um, the because the, most of the severe cases are caused by like when the immune system starts attacking the lungs and like filling them up with fluid. Um, yeah. And they found that like nicotine just like beat the shit out of your immune system so much that even if your body turned. The, your immune system against yourself, it would be pretty weak and ineffective. So your lungs, uh, your lungs you know, are like, bitch, I'm already full of fluid. Yeah. It's like, what, what are you yeah. going to do? Do your worst. What are you so, going to do? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> very, very interesting. Uh, I would like to say, don't do that. Yes. Don't, uh, don't smoke cigarettes to fight COVID. I, That's uh, I'm not uh, a doctor, but uh, the, the negative health effects of smoking are almost guaranteed to be worse. Uh, than the negative health effects of COVID. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, uh, uh, that was, uh, as a former smoker, that was definitely uh, like a, I had a, a twitch, you know? Uh, and I was like, oh, cigarettes, wow. So th I think that's that's uh, the closest I've come to, to having like thoughts of um, picking up old bad habits. Other than that, I've been pretty good i haven't had uh, too many thoughts of anything else so yeah i think i generally am handling it okay but i think me having my routine is definitely helping and i think if you don't have the things that you're used to you don't go to the places you normally go like i can see even from my little two-week quarantine like i can see how hard that would be and and everybody else well the majority of other people have had to do it for way longer than I did. So yeah, it's hard. It's really hard. 
It's so what have you been using to kind of like what what's been your coping mechanism? Because like we all we all need a coping mechanism right now. Like yeah. everyone because this is just like this completely unprecedented situation. Like I don't think human beings, particularly in this day and age, are really uh, equipped to to handle this at all. Um so what what have you been what have you been turning to or relying on or or what have you kind of been doing to take care of yourself uh, throughout this situation? Ooh, not a lot. <laughs> All right, I, I appreciate. Yeah. I dig the honesty. Honestly, like I don't like I haven't been like exercising. I haven't been eating particularly well. I've been online shopping like an idiot, and uh, uh, I yeah, mean, the, so the sales out there right now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't think I'm coping particularly well other than the things that I'm doing aren't really self-destructive. I feel like, yeah, I'm eating just kind of normal, not like excessively eating or anything, but I'm not like making an effort to try to change my other habits to compensate for um, the other crappy things that are happening around me right now. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It's it's definitely, it, it, it's not it's not going the way that I thought it would go uh, when this all started. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, everybody, I don't know what expectations they had for the way this was all going to go, but man, I didn't think this was going to be it. So yeah, it's, it's been, it's been wild. (laughs) How, how did you think it was going to go? Uh, well, I'll be, I'm going to be straight up. I was one of the people back in like January that was like, oh, this is just like the flu. Who cares? The flu, yeah. Yeah, totally. And uh, and uh, Lindsay, my wife, was like, nope, this is way worse. What is your problem? I'm like, ah, you worry about everything. And she was right. And I hope she never hears this podcast. <laughs> I mean, whether she hears it or not, I'm, I think she knows she was right at this point. Oh, whatever, Derek. Well, just take her side like always, okay? I mean, this is conclusively much, much worse than the flu. Am I talking um, to the virus right now? Who is this? (laughs) (laughs) She wasn't going to rescue a dog at all. She's here feeding me lines so that I can put you. Oh, wow. (laughs) Wouldn't I wouldn't Um, put a pastor. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I'm definitely so there is like there's this whole like spectrum of unhealthy behaviors. Um, When I first sobered up, I I definitely developed a because it was like it was my addictive brain and I just needed like something else to get obsessed over um, so that I could channel all that, you know, spare time and energy and money I had uh, into something that would, again, like prevent me from having to like stop and sit with myself and focus on myself. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I definitely developed like uh, online shopping addiction. I was big into men's fashion for a while. Uh, I think we talked about that in like a previous we episode. We did. Um, and then... Now it's like any, anything I had to distract me from myself in the external world has just been, uh, fucking like stripped away completely. Like there's no, I can't, I can't make social plans to distract me from myself. I can't there. I am still like working a ton. So I have my workaholism. Uh, I did dip back into the online shopping thing just cause there are some like every online retailer in the world is watching, 
you know, their their revenue just like collapse right now. So uh, there are some pretty pretty good sales out there uh, if you're interested in that kind of thing. Um, (laughs) So I have seen myself kind of defaulting to that. And then the flip side of that is like, I'm like, okay, this is my chance to like actually start working through a lot of my shit and focus on myself and focus on my relationship and like do a lot of self-help things. So I've been doing like uh, online therapy sessions. I've been uh, joining a lot of um, there's actually uh, a really cool thing, a byproduct of this that I, I've seen come out of it is like a lot of these um, online sober communities uh, that I got introduced to through Instagram are starting to have like regular Zoom sober meetups that are like totally free of charge. And everyone just like goes in and we meditate for a bit and then we like share what's going on with us and talk about how sobriety is helping. Uh, so that sense of community has been really cool. And then, um, yeah, just kind of focusing uh, a lot of energy on Kate and I's relationship because uh, we figure we better fucking make it as strong as possible because she lives in the States and I live here and we literally have no idea when we will be seeing each other next. Yeah. Um, so, but it is, you know, it's, it's working. Like I, I definitely feel um, better about myself. I feel generally healthier, even though, you know, I can't go to a gym anymore. Um, and, uh, I feel like our relationship is, is probably the strongest it's ever been. Um, and that we definitely, we had the benefit of being long distance before any of this went down. So there's, a, I think a lot of couples that have to adjust to like not being able to see each other, um, unless they live together and now they're just seeing each other too much or, um, <laughs> what? but like we, we've been doing the FaceTime dates thing for, uh, for a really long time. So this is, uh, this is nothing new to us. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. I guess you guys are, uh, kind of veterans at, uh, at that. So it's going on a little longer than you'd, uh, hoped maybe, but yeah, I think that's, uh, that's great that you had that sort of, uh, relationship in place and just kind of keep it rolling along. And yeah, know. I mean, it's, it's weird. It's like, you know, our, our long distance relationship almost like prepared us for what yep. this was going to be like. Yeah. Um, so, you know, there's definitely a silver lining there. Yeah. I, um, I actually forgot. Uh, there's two things that I've done since this <laughs> pandemic started that could, could qualify as coping mechanisms. I actually built my own watch, which is, uh, maybe the coolest thing I've ever done in my life. And Wait, like uh, from, from scratch. Yeah. So I took, uh, I took, a an old, uh, Swiss automatic watch and I stripped it down for just the movement. And then I ordered a bunch of, uh, parts like a, like case and crown stem and crown and case back and, uh, sapphire crystal and a bezel and stuff on, uh, AliExpress. Okay. And, uh, and a dial and some hands and I, yeah, I basically built a custom watch out of all these different parts that uh, I'm actually looking at it right now up in my watch winder right beside me here. And, and it functions. Uh, it's Yeah, it works great. I actually have some new hands for it sitting behind me that I was going to change over the weekend, but I got busy with other crap that I'm using as coping mechanisms too. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that took me uh, a little while. So that that definitely ate up some of the time, which was fun. And then I, I ordered a bunch of stuff to develop uh, film at home because my local lab is running on like really, really reduced hours. So I've got all the stuff and my, uh, dark room bag just showed up yesterday. So I'm ready to rock and roll. So that'll be my next thing I'm doing to, 
uh, cope with having nothing to do is uh, developing my own film like it's the 1970s. That's very, very exciting. That, that, that retro uh, aesthetic is, is very much back in fashion right now, yeah, though, I mean, right? So I, was looking, I was even looking at record players for The Office here. I don't know what's happening. <laughs> wow, you're really uh, uh, going me. through time warp. Help me, Derek. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> going to be uh, busting out your, your Charlie's Angels poster and uh, yeah. watching some, some Dukes of Hazard next. Playing saxophone solos on the roof, you know. Yeah, it all. which by the way, uh, for, for those of you who don't follow Scott on Twitter, uh, he did promise today uh, that that he would. I didn't even I, know you promised no, that. No, I didn't promise. I was uh, playing along with Dale's request. There's no, no, that, that there's no like a, way that I could do a saxophone solo on the roof of one of my buildings with a drone circling around me recording it without getting fired. So that's not going to happen. Yeah, that seems like a fair trade to me. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> Think of how famous you'd be. I mean, that would definitely go at least partially viral. Yeah, yeah, partially. Yeah, probably um, just the worst so, part. Yeah. So throughout this whole thing, uh, have you thought about returning to drinking at all? Has it crossed your mind? Have you have you thought about what your life would be like? Uh, or how you would be managing this pandemic if you were still drinking, uh, because a lot of people uh, mm. are are using that as their basically their sole coping mechanism. Yeah, uh, for sure. I mean, we're all on with, social media, so <laughs> it's not that yeah. hard to find. <laughs> nope. Um, yeah, to be honest, no, I haven't. I haven't had any real struggles with uh, thinking of of uh, drinking or doing anything else. Um, and I'm in a house with somebody that's, uh, not sober. Um, and they, uh, I would say that the consumption within the household here has stayed relatively consistent, um, to what it was pre pandemic levels. Maybe the schedule has changed a little bit. <laughs> it might be slightly earlier in the day than it was before, but, uh, yeah, I think the, the volume of consumption hasn't changed, which is great, but I, ha- I, yeah, I have noticed that it seems to be, Obviously, there's there's a lot of posts on social media that sort of make it like funny, you know, that it's a funny thing that, oh, look, we're all drinking this bottle of wine right from the bottle because it's the pandemic and, you know, whatever. That's a whole lane of Twitter. But uh, there's uh, there is definitely an uptick in, uh, I think, drug and alcohol consumption and and. You know, sort of the the less taboo stuff is the stuff that you see on the internet. So, like alcohol and weed, I think those people are very open about uh, their use of those two things, especially with weed being legal almost everywhere now. Um, but then there's some other stuff out there that maybe you're not hearing about that I think is also probably being used more than uh, than it was just a few short weeks ago, and that's you know. That's bad. It's not good. It's not a. It's not a good way to cope. And like I think, yeah, hard, hard drugs, prescription drugs, yeah, like opiates, just whatever, just whatever people can get their hands on. You know, just to take the edge off reality. And uh, man, when you wake up later, <laughs> reality's still there, and you feel like shit. So yeah, good luck with that. I mean, you know? I think that's the biggest thing when I've thought about, it. and it hasn't. It hasn't like. Um, and this is how I know that I'm just like a sober person for life now because it like it has not crossed my mind at all. Like this yeah, has yeah, been same, same. 
yeah, it's been like crazy isolating. I have nothing to distract me from myself anymore. I don't know when I'm going to see my girlfriend again. Like this is like, you know, by all measures, this is a pretty fucking stressful situation for anyone to be in. Um, and it, I just, I, I haven't been even like remotely tempted to like step into a liquor store and like grab a bottle for myself. Um, That's funny. You should, it's funny you phrase it that way. Like, this is how I know I'm going to be a sober person. I had that, I had that exact thought about three weeks ago. Um, we had a zoom, uh, like Friday night hangout with a bunch of our friends and, uh, everybody was drinking and I wasn't, and it was just like kind of normal times when we would still go out with our friends uh, and everybody would be drinking and I wouldn't, and it was still a good time. And I thought, you know, this, I don't ever see this changing. So yeah, and, it's good. And you still peaced out at 9 PM and said, fuck all of y'all. You know what? I was I'm the first bed. one to leave the zoom chat. You are correct. <laughs> I'm like, I'm going to go over here. And I went and sat on the couch. <laughs> Very on brand for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Totally. <laughs> yeah. And, and a lot of my thoughts have been like, and, and I think you nailed it perfectly. It's like, you would eventually sober up and on top of just like feeling like shit because you're hungover, you would, you would still, I mean, the pandemic's still going to be there, right? It's not going to be something that you can drink away. Uh, This situation is not something you can drink away. Your relationship with yourself or the people around you uh, is not something you can drink away. So whatever problems you had. And I feel like this is where sobriety definitely uh, gave us an edge going into a situation like that is like, we accepted a long time ago that like reality just fucking sucks. And there are going to be some really hard moments and some really hard times. And whether we drink or not, you know, those hard times are still going to be there. Um, So I I feel like uh, at least for me personally, sobriety has, has equipped me with, um, with the the realization and, and maybe the acceptance of like you cannot drink your problems away, you cannot numb your problems away. Uh, the problems will always be there unless you confront them head on. And then uh, f- deeper into that is uh, sobriety has just like given gave me the time and the energy and, and maybe the knowledge to start looking uh, at these things about myself and like learning, learning ways to better manage my emotions and learning ways to better react to things and learning why I, I respond the way I do, uh, in certain situations. So, um, I think having all of that knowledge going into a situation where you're literally just like locked in a room by yourself for six weeks, um, has, it's definitely, uh, definitely helped me out. Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, it's, that's very true. I feel like sobriety is really, set us up for success in uh, having to face reality full on 100% strength, <laughs> not watered down. And uh, yeah, you just, you just roll with it. Sobriety is definitely set up for, set us up for success with social isolation because, uh, <laughs> you know, what does a sober person feel if not socially isolated? Uh, uh, refreshed. Oh, that wasn't actually a question. Yeah. Uh, No. Not hungover? (laughs) Rhetorical. Ah, I hate those. So you've been, you talked about uh, how there was the like, you know, there's, there's the jokey memes and there's the, uh, you know, the lighthearted, like, oh my God, pandemic day 60 fucking whatever. I'm going to down this bottle of wine. Um, But there also is like a much darker side to 
alcohol consumption that a number of like uh, governing health bodies have have felt the need to like issue warnings about um, because you know obviously. Uh, bars are all closed down. So liquor, liquor sales are skyrocketing. People are turning to like this coping mechanism. And, and a lot of people are, um, you know, objectively drinking a lot more when they normally would because uh, those societal rules have basically evaporated. Like, you know, if you're if you want to have a drink at 9 a.m. now, like you're not in the office with your boss, like watching you telling you not to. I'm not saying anyone should do that, but I'm saying that a lot of people are taking <laughs> that as their advice. Cue. Yeah. A lot of people are just taking that as their cue to like drink as, as much as they want when they want. Um, mm-hmm. And I understand that a lot of people are coping with like a lot of really traumatic shit right now. Like there's like there's the collective trauma of like everyone just having their world and any plans they had like completely unended. There's people who, you know, what is it like uh, 12 million people or something are, have lost their jobs. I think uh, I saw, I saw a statistic that was like basically like 50% of households in North America have had at least one person lose their job. Yeah. Uh, and that's yeah, half you know, of all households. You know, it's, you know, it's funny too. Like, even anecdotally, even if you haven't lost your job, so like I'm still working, I'm still uh, essentially earning as much as I was before the pandemic, but there has been a reduction in overtime hours. There's been uh, a reduction in the amount of hours I work on call. So all those sort of the the little bit of extra income that we would get from that, that's pretty much well, it's not gone, but it's definitely reduced. And then something as simple as my tiny little YouTube channel, the ad revenue drop that I've seen in the last six weeks, has been about 40% just because uh, advertisers, it's not that my views are going down. I feel like my views are going up because people have nothing else to do. Well, I was going to say, you think people would be watching a lot more YouTube. Right yeah, now. but but the thing is, I think that a lot of... Um, a lot of advertisers have pulled their ads. So you're just getting sort of the more repetitive big corporation ads and any of like the smaller, like medium sized businesses, the ancillary businesses to like the huge corporations. You're not really seeing those sort of ads anymore. It's just like the big, big fortune 500 kind of ads that you're seeing. And uh, yeah, there's definitely been a, a fairly large drop in, in ad revenue. And it's, it's been, sort of reported on across YouTube. So I think that in addition to people losing their jobs, anybody who's like a, a independent creator or something that relies on sort of advertising dollars, uh, they're definitely seeing that drop. Like local papers are closing up and it, it's just, it's this big snowball effect, right? Like if you can't, if you're a restaurant and you advertise in a local paper, and nobody can come to your restaurant and you can't afford to do takeout because you just can't do the turnover you need to do to pay your rent. Well, then you're not going to put that ad in the local paper. And the, the way the local paper works is they are supported by local advertising and then that local paper has no money. So they lay off all their staff and yeah, it's just a, it's the big vicious cycle. So it's uh, it the trickle down effect of, um, the job loss is is bigger than even the ridiculously huge numbers would lead you to believe. It is, and um, that it is even if you're gainfully employed right now, like you have to be looking at like 
you know, they're saying there's not going to be a vaccine for this thing for 12 to 18 months. And that's, I think, an yep. optimistic estimate. Um, so, I mean, do you, do you, so on that note, do you want to hear something terrifying? Uh, yeah, you know, why not? <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to say it uh, now. This is this is anecdotal, but I, I'm fairly certain that it's accurate. The fastest vaccine that humans have ever developed took four years. I'm just, I'm stunned into silence because I like, like a year and a half. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's pushing it a little bit. Four years is, uh, yeah, obviously this is an unprecedented situation. You have a lot of people definitely, mobilized definitely. in a way they haven't been before, but, uh, but that yeah. vaccine, that vaccine was for polio. And I believe that was in the fifties. So, uh, medical science has come a long, long way since then. So hopefully we can beat that record. Fingers crossed. Yes. I would, yeah. at the very least, I will take anything. Since you said that, I have adjusted my expectations. So anything <laughs> under four years will be considered yeah. a success as long as we beat the record. That's a win. Yeah, that's um, a win. Three and a half. So years. yeah, like, love it. There's a lot of anxiety. People had just have like, I think everyone's just feeling this general loss of control uh, over their own lives, right? Like we we all had um, the means to to build these, you know. Uh, maybe not purposeful lives purposeful to some extent, but like we had control over our routines. We had control over our hobbies. We, we had control over our schedule and what we were going to do and how we elected to spend our time. And we still have that to uh, some extent, but we have much fewer options available to us uh, in, in terms of how we do that. So um, I'm not saying I am going to say I I understand why people are turning to drink because, um, you know, if this was me four years ago and this shit happened, I would have absolutely been the guy who was drunk all day, every day. Uh, Responsibilities be damned because that was the only tool I had to cope with anything. Um, So I get where people are coming from, but there is... Um, obviously a, a very dark side to this. And that's that um, both that, uh, you know, they're saying that domestic abuse can is going to skyrocket as a result of this. They're saying that um, that a lot of people who maybe weren't problematic drinkers before are going to develop uh, alcohol use disorder as a result of how much they're drinking during this. Um, there are the, the long-term health impacts uh, similar to you, going and buying a pack of or a carton of cigarettes to ward off the, the physical effects of coronavirus, you know, drinking a shitload of alcohol to ward off the mental effects of coronavirus um, is, is still going to have like a negative long-term health impact on you. If, if that's how you're coping with it. Um, And it's, you know, also in the, uh, in the immediate future, it can, uh, it can really weaken your immune system. So if you should contract the virus, like it it can have immediate negative impacts on you. Um, and then another interesting thing I kind of wanted to touch on was that, uh, you know, there was this, this outcry, um, as all these uh, countries and states and provinces went to went d- into lockdown, uh, a lot of liquor stores yeah. were basically declared essential services. And at first I was like, 
this is fucking ridiculous. Like, same, why, same. why would thing. they do this? Yeah. And then I started seeing explanations that, like, the reason they're doing this is because alcohol use disorder is so widespread yep. that if you just cut off people's supply to alcohol, you would have a ton of people going into, like, acute withdrawal, and that would that would overburden the healthcare system potentially more than coronavirus. Isn't that um, insane? It, and and that like hearing it framed that way, I was like, okay, that makes sense. But it also made me think like we need when this is all over and when we have our vaccine in four years and when we've come out of this, we need to take a really good hard look at how we have allowed uh, alcohol abuse to become so normalized that it's gotten to the point where like liquor stores need to be declared an essential service because if, if everyone stopped drinking at the same time, uh, it would just wipe out our healthcare system. Yeah. Yeah, it would. Um, (laughs) so funny family history story here. And I don't know if I've ever shared this on the, the podcast or not, but, uh, my grandpa who I never met, he died before I was born. He was an alcoholic and he, went in for some kind of surgery. I don't know the exact story behind it, but when he was in the hospital and he was having surgery, he was such a, an aggressively alcohol addicted person that he went into withdrawal so bad that he died. That's what Holy killed shit. him. It wasn't the surgery. It was uh, the withdrawal from alcohol addiction. And um, that always that that was when I when I heard that liquor stores were being declared an essential essential service, I thought the same thing as you. I'm like, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. And then that story, um, it was my dad's dad, but my mom's the one who told me the story. Um, I immediately thought of him and thought, well, how many people are out there that are so dependent on alcohol that their bodies are so conditioned to have alcohol coursing through their veins? that they would be in serious medical trouble if they all of a sudden had to just stop. What, what sort of lengths would they go to, to get alcohol? First of all, like that, that's another story, like access to things that have alcohol in it. Uh, yeah, that would be, yeah, it would, it would be terrible. And the, the, you're right. The fact that alcohol addiction has gotten to a point where we can't even close liquor stores or, or, you know, all of a sudden you can get alcohol with your takeout order. Like it took 20 years of fighting for the smallest uh, changes here in British Columbia to the liquor laws to like relax them a little bit. And then there's a pandemic and people can't get their liquor and uh, you know what? We'll just bring it right to you all of a sudden. That's totally cool. (laughs) It's nuts. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a little scary. And like, I, I hope that someone, someone is going to talk about this. Uh, yeah. It'll probably be us, but um, <laughs> it's just like, doing it right now. Yeah, yeah. Like we have let uh, alcohol abuse and I'm not, I'm not obviously going to like, um, you know, knock anybody uh, who, who is addicted to alcohol. Um, I, I understand that compulsion. I had it myself for a long time. Um, but I just think that like, as a society, if we have let it progress to the point where, um, and we, we honestly, we have done this with other things. Like you look at the opioid crisis, um, which is definitely more pronounced in the United States than it is here. But we have just like, we have failed people to the point where, uh, 
a lot of people need to turn to substances to just like solve whatever else is going on with them or fill that void in their lives, um, whether those be opioids or alcohol. And then uh, we, we just let people turn to that because it's an easy out and someone can make money off of it. Uh, and then, you know, I think it's going to be a, uh, a long, brutal climb out of that. If anyone's even interested in fixing it to get, to get to the point where we're like, okay, um, maybe, you know, binge drinking or, uh, or alcohol abuse is, is not so normalized. And we actually identify it for the problem it is instead of commemorating it with funny memes on the internet. Yeah. I mean, and that's, that's, you, you, you nailed it there when you said that, you know, people are just going to make money, right? People, people will make money off other people's suffering off other people's addiction. And as long as that system exists, this it's going to be hard to change. And, and, it, 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 it's so crazy to me that some of the biggest companies in the world are, are, um, drug companies and, and, uh, um, these giant conglomerates now that own breweries and wineries and, and whatever they're, you know, multi-billion dollar companies. And they're just, they exist to get you to consume more of their product. It's, how do you how do you stop that when consumerism and capitalism means that the the shareholders of those companies um, lose confidence in those companies if people aren't consuming more of their addictive damaging products on a regular basis? Yeah, it's nuts. It's nuts. Well, I may- Maybe the only solution there is is you know building a society or convincing these corporations that like. Um, there there's more money to be made in keeping people alive and healthy and happy for a longer period of time. And even being like, Hey, you can turn a profit off of their healing process. Um, and it, it's a really cynical way to look at it, but I think yeah. that's the, that's the only way we're going to be able to, to break that is by, uh, telling corporations that, that there's more money to be made in helping people than in harming people. Yeah. Um, I think as but long again. as I think as long as healthcare in America particularly is for profit, um, and that jails in America are for profit, that you know that's going to be a big uphill battle for the rest of the world to convince them that the systems that we all seem to think work uh, should work there as well. Yeah. yeah. Although, we're, like we we do have socialized healthcare in Canada, and uh, yeah. you know our our prison system is is. Uh, I'm actually not entitled. Like I, I got to assume it's for profit, but no, no, it's, it's not. Un- it's not for profit. It's it's uh, it's basically just run by the government, right? So, oh, okay. the, yeah, yeah, it's not like jails in in America are run as businesses. So the fuller they are, yeah, yeah, the the more funding they get. So and and it's yeah, it's just such a wild system to have jails and hospitals be for profit. Yeah. And you know, with Anyways, any luck, maybe that, that that is, yeah. We'll we'll talk about that on uh, <laughs> on, on the other one. Um, yeah, there you go. Yeah. All right. Uh, so you know, you talked about these uh, these these hobbies you developed, uh, and and what else you do. What else are you doing, or what what resources um, would you maybe recommend people turn to uh, if they if they need help or support through 
this situation or if if they're considering re- if it's reach for the bottle or reach for something else what is that something else they can reach for uh i mean that's that's the that's the trick isn't it i i'm it's hard for me to recommend stuff like that because i i didn't really go down that route with my sobriety um i think um i just sort of leaned into my hobbies a little bit maybe maybe a little too hard in in some respects but you know um if you know anybody that uh is struggling and you see it outwardly maybe reach out to them maybe that's what they need is that that conversation with somebody just to say hey are you know are you okay because it kind of seems like you got some stuff going on do you want to talk about it um yeah it can be hard for the person that's in the addiction to be the person to get themselves out of it. Sometimes they need somebody outwardly to uh, reach their hand down and, and help lift them up. I will say like one unintended uh, byproduct of this and, and something I definitely appreciate is that it's suddenly become normal for everyone to just like come out and say, Hey, I am fucking struggling with this. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Is, yeah. That like, is good. You know, for for a long time, uh, people people would struggle with things and they just internalize it and they turn to whatever coping mechanism they had, usually unhealthy. Um, but because we're all kind of collectively in this situation together, it, it does feel like people are a lot more comfortable reaching out to people. Um, and I have seen like uh, even for myself, like my, my friends are checking in on me more often. Um, every conversation, like even if you're asking someone for something, every conversation starts with a, Hey, how are you doing? And it just seems so much more sincere now. Like we, we honestly, we give a shit about the people in our lives. Um, and you know, unfortunately it took, uh, you know, something like this maybe for, for a lot of us to, to realize that, but, Mm -hmm. um, it does seem like like there is uh, a lot more support and uh, a lot a lot more caring and and empathy for for people out there. Yeah, yeah, for sure, man. And uh, yeah, I, I just wish it didn't take something like this. But hey, here we are. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> small victories wherever you can. Yeah, get. yeah. Glass um, half full. Yeah, let let's do that. Of water or of water or whatever yeah. whatever yeah. you're drinking. Um, some sober communities that I've been turning to that I just want to give a shout out to, uh, Carly B Benson, who's, uh, an Instagram influencer and uh, she's, a like a health and wellness coach. Um, she has a group called the hangover free club. Uh, they do zoom meetings every Saturday morning. I'm usually there for those. They're pretty great. Um, and the Phoenix, which is a, uh, they're a sober gym uh, chain in the United States, um, they've been hosting like free zoom workouts, uh, and then free like, uh, social zoom hangouts. Um, definitely check them out. They're available on Instagram as well. Uh, and then there are a lot of traditional, like a lot of AA groups have moved online. Um, there's a ton of like, just, you know, virtual sober hangout hangouts available there. If you want to, uh, connect with, with other people and maybe share what's going on with you and, and hear other people's stories as well. So, uh, no shortage of resources out there. And if you're listening to this and you are struggling, uh, you can always message myself or, uh, or Scott as well. Absolutely. My, uh, my DMS are open as the kids say slide, slide on into them, slide on into them, but don't be creepy. 
<laughs> yeah, there's got to be a less creepy way to say that. Uh, <laughs> right? Just, just shoot us some slide into my DMs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, all right, you got a you got a recommendation this week before we wrap this up? Uh, what's what's uh, you something know, people you know what I just I just started reading the original Dune again, uh, the novel Dune. Uh, it's from out. the sixties. Yeah, there's a new right? movie coming out, and I haven't I haven't read Dune since I was like eighteen, and that's a long time ago. So uh, I it, and I'm only maybe half a chapter into it, and I don't remember any of it. And it's great. So um, yeah, new Denis Villeneuve uh, Dune movie coming out later this year. So maybe pick up Dune. It's fairly cheap on uh, online book retailers and and uh, ebooks and stuff like that right now. And uh, it's definitely worth a read. It's a sci-fi classic and the inspiration to tons of other sci-fi um, that came after it. It's really good. They did a uh... Didn't they? Aren't there like ten books in that series or something? Or there is, yeah, there is, yeah. But I'm only going to read the first one for now, okay. and then yeah. we'll see how into it I get. Until they start filming the the sequels, and then, and then, uh, then I'll have to. But uh, Dennis Dennis Villeneuve has a knack for making amazing movies that nobody wants to see. He did. So. Uh, he did the Total Recall remake, didn't he? Uh, did he? I don't know. He did Blade Runner 2049, which is like just an um, incredible film. And it made like no money (laughs) because Blade Runner was like this weird cult classic that made no money. So when you make a, a sequel to a movie that not a lot of people saw, you know, not a lot of people are going to see the sequel either, but it was great. A great point. Oh, he did yeah. uh Arrival as well. That's that's how oh yeah, yeah. Arrival was good. And he did that with incredible a fairly low movie. budget too for, for what it was. So In- incredible movie. Yeah, it was great. Uh all right. My recommendation. I have been uh binging uh Bojack Horseman lately, oh, which is like nice. um, like it's uh so I watched the first two seasons and then I didn't I kind of just dropped off but uh it is it's just like a fucking flawless like you look at it on the surface and you're like Will Arnett animated show this is some like dumb family guy thing um but it's actually like a really smartly written show and it's really fucking bleak like it just like I feel like I've I've gotten so much inspiration for sober shit from that show cuz just watching it um, and how he, uh, the main character who is a horse, yes, uh, uses alcohol to like, uh, cope with basically everything in his life and sub- substance abuse and how, uh, it really talks about his like internal struggle and depression and anxiety. And I just watched an episode with like, um, how his internal monologue and, and his view of himself makes him like poisonous and toxic to everyone else in his family. Uh, and it tackles some really heavy issues, uh, but there's usually some some pretty good laughs in there too. So nice, yeah. It is. It it can be a very very dark show, but it is great. It is. Yeah. Unlike unlike this pandemic, which is not great, but Scott, I'm glad that uh, we were able to to get back together and pick this thing back up. Um, you know, time time remains to be it, it remains to be seen whether we uh, we pivot this into. Uh, a podcast for dudes, but I think just generally talking about our uh, our sober experiences will will do in the interim, and uh, hopefully we can start putting out regular episodes again. 
So go to www.soberbroaction.com. <laughs> hot and, uh, sober bro action. Is that not that's not what we're gonna call it? <laughs> I thought I mean, the website. What we does that mean? Now. Like just the absolute worst <laughs> website ever. And people are gonna go look and be like, oh <laughs> It's it's just a redirect to Pornhub. That's all it is. <laughs> uh, you're welcome. Is what I'm saying. That's another way to cope. Anyways. Yeah. Uh <laughs> All right. On on that note, uh, <laughs> meeting adjourned. Meeting adjourned. Disclaimer, nothing in this podcast constitutes medical or professional advice. If you or someone you know is struggling with addiction, there are a number of resources available. We'll link to these resources in the show notes for each episode so that you can get the support you need. 